the most interesting and possibly the most important offseason in Golden State Warriors history is about to begin. And we've got you covered here. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Use the promo code Locked On. I am your humble host, Cyrus Sotsis. You can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Rocho. You can follow the program on Twitter at Locked on Dubs. Uh, I'm recording this on a Monday night. It is May 15th. Uh, look, if you've spent the last few days in the fetal position, in the corner of a dark room, sucking on your thumb, that's okay, Dub Nation. There is no right or wrong in terms of how to deal with your team and more importantly, a dynasty being your team on the verge of collapse. It's traumatizing. It's depressing. As Stephen Curry said, following game six in their depressing, disappointing loss to the Lakers, he said he was shell-shocked. I think all of us, at least those of us who consider ourselves proud members of Dub Nation, I think we can relate. We can understand just how miserable of a feeling it has been. Um, but with that loss, sets up, again, quite possibly the biggest, most important, very fascinating offseason in Golden State Warriors history. And, uh, you know, from my position, it certainly does become damn interesting. This is going to be hopefully fun. Uh, the, the first item on the agenda, what, what today's show is going to encompass is recapping uh, everything that the Golden State Warriors players and coaches have said over the last few days. Uh, the, the biggest stars on the team um, answered questions the night of game six. And then the rest of the team conducted exit interviews over the weekend at Chase Center. Um, and so out of that came some terrific sounds. So I'm going to play a lot of sound from what a lot of players said. Um, you know, some of it may be interesting. Some of it may not be very interesting. Um, before I get into the sound of the exit interviews, though, um, one player who has not been interviewed and one player who, sorry, it's not even a player, one individual uh, who hasn't spoken yet, um, is Bob Myers. And in my humble opinion, he is the most important individual of all top to bottom of every human being at Chase Center involved in the Golden State Warriors dynasty, with the exception of maybe the owners, Joe Lacob and Peter Goober. Bob Myers is everything. He is, he is the brain of this operation. If Bob Myers decides to leave, the dynasty is over. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. For starters, anyone who doesn't think Bob Myers is important, and I'm going to record a show later this week recapping his career with the Warriors and explaining why I value him so much. Um, 
But chief and foremost is he is the one who makes all the decisions pertaining to draft picks, free agents, uh, you know, re-signing players, giving players extensions. Nobody's perfect. Okay, like when we're gonna when we look through his resume in the show later this week, and again, if you follow either me on Twitter at Docs or Frocho or this program on Twitter uh, at Locked On Dubs, we always announce there when next shows are. This show actually that I'm recording right now is not live, uh, just because um, I really wanted to get to everything uh, that was said by the Warriors over these last few days, and there's gonna be time all off season to answer questions. Uh, for interaction and, and engagement with with uh, everyone who has questions or has a taste they want to express. Believe me, there'll be plenty of time all offseason for that. Um, but I had to get to so much today. And, and first and foremost, again, is Bob Myers, who, um, again, I've been telling you, if you watch this show, if you listen to this show, you've heard me say repeatedly that I've heard from trusted sources inside that Myers doesn't want to actually go anywhere. Um, Bob Myers is very much a part of the Warriors. He has a very strong relationship with Joe Lacob. Joe Lacob has, has made two uh, offers to Bob Myers through this season. Lacob admittedly said so himself. Uh, it was not disputed. Um, reports are indicating that Myers uh, wants a couple weeks this uh, now that the season's over to think about what he wants to do next uh, in his career, and his future. What I've heard is that Myers doesn't want to go anywhere. His contract is up. He will be uh, a quote-unquote free agent soon. Uh, I can't remember if his contract expires at the beginning or the end of June. But what I have heard repeatedly and uh, is that he wants, he wants money. He wants to get paid what he feels he deserves. And what he feels he deserves is to be the highest paid executive in the NBA. He's deserved it. How could he not? I mean... Has there been a more successful executive? Um, I mean, considering most of his draft picks fall on the later side of the first round, nearly all of his picks are like number 28 second rounders. His success rate between that, between trades, between free agents is incredible. It's exemplary. And again, later this week, there will be a show dedicated just to Bob Myers because there's a lot of folks out there, and it surprises me, who don't appreciate how excellent of a GM and president of operations Bob Myers is. Uh, but but long story short, um, you know, there's a lot of reports that he might not want to come back, that, uh, you know, that he's going to take off a little time. Um, I, I'm telling you from what I've heard. And then Connell Turno is releasing a story uh, tomorrow, Tuesday for the Chronicle that's going to uh, repeat what I'm, I'm about to say here, which is that Bob Myers right now, his the reason why he has not conducted exit interviews is because he is at, uh, he's scouting potential draft picks. He's at a combine right now, and he's reportedly going to be doing his exit interview next week when he comes back from his visit scouting potential picks. The Warriors have the number 19 pick in the NBA draft this year. Um, and we're going to be doing a mock draft, by the way, the, Lock, the Locked On Podcast Network. Now that the offseason's here, I'm definitely going to be doing my research into, in terms of who the Warriors could potentially sign uh, and, and draft. But long story short, Bob Myers, I don't think he's going anywhere, provided Joe Lacob opens up the pocketbook and makes him the highest paid executive in the NBA. And truth is, he deserves it. Again, besides the fact that he was behind the wheel constructing a dynasty 
for those of you that that really put a lot of value and emphasis on Steve Kerr, don't forget who hired him. All right, uh, it was it was Bob Myers. Now, granted, Joe Lacob's the owner, probably has to approve most, if not all, of of Myers' decisions. But nonetheless, it is Myers making those decisions. He is the architect who crafted this this dynasty, one of the greatest runs in in sports history. Uh, so let's hope that he comes back, because if he doesn't come back there is a very strong possibility Draymond Green will also not come back. And I'm going to touch on that and so much more in a second because Draymond uh, said some interesting things immediately following game six. But Draymond doesn't come back. Who knows how the Clay Thompson extension talks go uh, if Bob Myers isn't here. You're suddenly being left with Mike Dunleavy Jr., maybe, taking over the role of who this team drafts, uh, who makes the big decisions in terms of whether or not Let's say it's either Kaminga or or nothing. I mean, that that is a predicament this team might face. I would, if you don't have someone like Bob Myers making sure that the right decisions are made, this organization is gonna start spiraling out of control and crash hard. So look, Bob Myers is a savant when it comes to the basketball game. He's not only great at player relations, he's great again at scouting talent. And again, he's currently at the draft combine right now. Uh, and that's not some that's not what an individual who's going to step away uh that's not the kind of action you would interpret from someone who's going to step away if bob myers was planning on moving on chances are he wasn't at the combine chances are he wasn't still scheduling his exit interview i don't think bob myers is going anywhere i don't i'm not saying this is a guarantee but i am very confident and i've spoken to people inside that building bob myers provided the warriors give him the bag which is what he wants and he's deserved Based off his track record, I, you know, in my humble opinion, if you're an executive, if you're a general manager and under your tenure, your team wins four titles in eight years, uh, win six Western Conference finals titles in eight years. Yeah, I think you've earned uh, being the highest paid executive in the, in the NBA. Uh, and, and so a lot of this, sorry, that was a big old bug just flew behind me. Uh, so a lot of what's been going on this season with with Myers uh, turning down the two contract offers by Lacob. A lot of that is negotiating. And um, let's just hope that Bob Myers comes back. So when I come back with the show, I'm going to talk about personnel. There's a lot of huge decisions um, that need to be made by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and I'm going to break down um, who's up for free agency, uh, who may stay, who may go, because this team cannot continue on the same course if they want to still be world championship contenders. I don't think they can stay on the same course if they want to continue being playoff contenders because uh, fortunes do turn that fast in the NBA. So we'll talk about that and so much more in just a moment. I got to first give some love, though, to uh, the title sponsor of today's program, which is Prize Picks, a super fun uh, application. It's daily fantasy sports made easy, and it's all about over-unders for individuals. Uh, you know, there's there's four teams remaining in the NBA playoffs. Uh, Nikola Jokic will be a fun player to bet on. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, uh, Jason Tatum. Prize Picks is all about making bets on the individuals. Are they going to score more or less than 28 points? Or is someone going to grab more or less than 10 rebounds? Uh, is someone going to pass more or less than eight assists? And that, that doesn't just apply to the NBA. You can cross-reference uh, across all sports. You can 
uh, bet on Major League Soccer players, Major League Baseball players, uh, you know, a certain amount of runs given up by a pitcher, for example, a certain amount of goals scored by an individual. That's what Prize Picks is all about. And one of the many perks of Prize Picks, if you're watching this and you're, and you're in California, it's for it's legal. You could actually play Prize Picks here in California, and you don't have to deal with sketchy wire services. Uh, cash withdrawals are really easy. Um, and it's just a ton of fun. And the odds are, are awesome. Download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. So if you got 100 bucks and you deposit that as a first-time player, you're going to start playing with $200 immediately because PricePix will match. But you have to use the promo code Locked on. So if you deposit 100 bucks, they'll match you with 100 bucks. And if you only got 50 bucks, 25 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, they will match it. But don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, Kylan Mills will join me. Uh, time to be determined. We will go live for that show. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Dub so you know exactly when we start in case you want to join the action live. Um, and Kylan and I, one of the two shows we record this week will be a two-parter. We're going to go for an hour, and there's so much to discuss. The draft is coming up. The Warriors are going to be involved in free agency if they want to reestablish themselves as legitimate world championship contenders next year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of trade talk, and you better believe I've already started doing some research on who the Warriors can make trades with, uh, Jordan Poole and much to my uh, 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 much against what I want to uh, say is Jonathan Kaminga. Um, there is a possibility he's going to get traded, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, there will be a, a lot of discussion on this show about who the Warriors can potentially get for these two players. Um, but first things first, the Warriors conducted exit interviews. Uh, this is a standard protocol for every NBA team when the season ends. Um, they come home, they do their exit interviews, and then it's hasta la vista, it's sayonara, it's adios, and, and then it's the summer. And then for some of these players, um, that's the last time you'll ever see them representing your team. Um, and exit interviews are either worthless or they're worthwhile. It depends on who you're asking questions to, um, what the topic is. Uh, so, for example, Dante DiVincenzo, who I thought was a fantastic uh, free agent acquisition this year for the Golden State Warriors. I honestly don't know if the Warriors make the playoffs this year if DiVincenzo is not on this roster. Unfortunately, didn't have the greatest of postseasons. Um, but then again, you know, he's 6'4". And I don't know what the team really, ex really expected putting that much pressure on Dante DiVincenzo when they clearly needed more size and they just needed um, a, a bigger, more physical player uh, against the Lakers, then DiVincenzo. But nonetheless, he was an awesome addition. And the reason why this attribution is worth less is largely because Dante DiVincenzo is going to sit here and tell you he loved playing for the Warriors. Uh, he wants to come back, but I'll explain why he probably won't. Here is Dante DiVincenzo. You obviously, you know, 
major presence knows during this season, but you know you have a lot of decisions to make this offseason, specifically with your player option. How are you looking at this summer? And do you is there a, a is there a party that makes that sees yourself back here next year? And how are you looking at that um, going into this offseason? How are you approaching that option? Um, I haven't thought to be not to be completely honest. I haven't really thought that much about anything in off season. Like <laughs> I thought we would still be playing right now. To be complete, completely honest, um, what I will say is I absolutely love being a Golden State Warrior. Um, the guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, um, the training staff, from day one, um, it's felt like home. Um, so obviously, I would love to be a Warrior, um, but. I'll cross that bridge, you know, we'll figure it out um, with the front office and everything. We'll cross that bridge once we get there. My goal, you know, this summer is to just get better, um, you know, to be able to take a step next year uh, for the Warriors and, you know, try to expand even more um, to be in a system familiar with and, you know, just grow from there and, you know, uh, just get better as a player and as a man. For one year, Dante DiVincenzo was a member of the Golden State Warriors. It was a pleasure having you in the San Francisco Bay Area, Mr. DiVincenzo. And it really saddens me that uh, that he's gone, but he's gone. Um, Dante DiVincenzo was signed as a mid-level exception last year by the Warriors. They even used the whole mid-level to sign him. Uh, they signed him to a two-year deal. Um, unfortunately, this the, the second year is a player option and the amount is for 4 million and change. And there is no chance in hell that Dante DiVincenzo will come back and play for 4 million and change. His value is far, far higher than that. He has exceeded uh, the value of his contract and the Warriors, unfortunately are in a position where they can't even offer him a new mid-level exception. Uh, That is official as part of the new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, teams that enter the second apron of the luxury tax, meaning I believe in this case, it's approximately 17 million over the cap and the Warriors are easily going to exceed that. Um, Any team that that goes over that amount will not be allowed to uh, have a mid-level exception. So the only way, uh, the only offer the Warriors can make to Dante DiVincenzo uh, is the amount that they paid him last year, plus approximately 10%. Um, so, which would be somewhere, what, near 5 million a year, Dante DiVincenzo, unfortunately for the Warriors and for this fan base, who I think most did uh, come to really like him. Uh, it's, it's, it's out of a dead. Is that how you say goodbye in Italian to Dante DiVincenzo? Um, so that is where, um, exit interviews don't have a ton of value and, and DiVincenzo will be sorely missed. Now, besides DiVincenzo though, the rest of the, the, the clips I'm going to play, are very worthwhile. And, and I'm going to start with uh, Draymond Green. Um, a lot of news came down. You know, the last show I hosted was immediately following game six. This was last Friday night. And fortunately, that evening, I believe, uh, we learned that um, Draymond Green, in fact, wants to come back. Uh, and according to The Athletic, Sham Sharnia and Anthony Slater of The Athletic, more specifically, uh, the Warriors have already started negotiations with Draymond Green's representation, which is a a clutch. Um, So that is great news. Why don't we hear from Draymond Green uh, immediately following game six, um, glowingly praising the team that he's played with his entire 
career. Here's Draymond Green. On first part of this, what was going on with your calf tonight? And although you said you're still processing everything, where are going to be you know some of your primary focuses this offseason? Um, my number one primary focus is my family. Uh, that is always the most important thing to me. Um, as far as my calf, I like kind of, I don't know if it was a cramp or if I pulled it a little bit, but when I went back to the back, it loosened up, so I figured it was just a cramp. Um, <clears throat> and I would have went back in the game. Bob stopped me, said we're down 22 points with five and a half, six minutes to go. You go back out there and you tear your calf and then you're rehabbing the rest of the summer, trying to chase a 22-point lead. Um, it's not smart and we're not doing it. So. I could have went back in the game, um, and I think that's a good sign. Uh, and you know, other priorities. Um, I have a media business I'm trying to build. I'll continue to try to build, and then you know, we'll see what happens as far as my contract goes. Obviously, I have an opt out. Everybody know about that. Um, I know about that. I'm aware of that. Uh, but I, <laughs> as I've told you guys, mine. For years, I want to be a warrior for the rest of my life. I want to ride, ride out with the same dudes I rode in with, and you know, I think you know, we've put the work in to make that happen. Um, you know, we, here we are with our worst season as a whole since 2014, and yet, you know, we had a chance to to make another run. So it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. But um, yeah, I mean, those are some of my priorities. Travel a little bit, um, you know, refill the cup, possibly play FIBA. Uh, we'll see. Um, and work my ass off and be better next year. It's my priorities. Draymond, don't play FIBA. All right, <laughs> you've already proven yourself internationally. You're what a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, I don't think FIBA, I don't think the team needs you. They need you. I don't think it's worth it. Um, but look, that was that was a revealing interview for, for a lot of reasons. One, it reminded everyone just how much Draymond and 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 a lot of other players on that roster value Bob Myers. Um, there are a lot of stories uh, that have come out about Myers and how much empathy he shows toward his players that goes a long way there's a huge reason why some of these players including Draymond will take pay cuts uh to play for this team um now in regards to Draymond's contract situation uh again he has a player option for 27 million and change um no one knows for sure what's going to happen with that uh common sense to me dictates there's no chance in hell he's going to sign that that one year uh, player option simply because um, there's too much demand out there. Uh, you know, on Friday's show, I listed approximately 20 out of the 30 NBA teams who could use a Draymond Green and would make the effort to bring a player of his caliber on the roster if possible. Um, just because only approximately five teams out there currently have the cap space to make a legitimate offer to Draymond Green, all five of those teams uh, being lottery-bound teams, non-playoff teams, it doesn't mean the other 15 who could use and would probably want Draymond that they can't easily get creative and make the salary cap uh, room. You see that all the time in the NBA. 
So if the Warriors want to keep him, and it sounds like you know the report came out from the Athletic that they do want to keep him, Draymond Green, uh, you know, saying all the right things in terms of staying with the only team he's played for his entire life, the Golden State Warriors. Um, so hopefully that marriage continues. Uh, hopefully Draymond Green comes back because a player of his caliber again, it's not easy to find. Um, and if Draymond Green does leave, then the dynasty's officially, I mean, there's, there's like no, whatever, even if there's doubt following any decisions, there will be none. If Draymond leaves, so too does the dynasty. Um, now this team obviously needs reinforcements. They can no longer just rely on Draymond Green being your primary big. Uh, and, and in this season's case, him and Looney being pretty much it for your, your front court size, the team has to do more. They have to give Draymond and Looney help. Um, but again, great news in terms of Draymond, at least possibly coming back to the Warriors. I envision if it happens, it's going to be a multi-year deal, three or four years, probably along the same lines, uh, in terms of annual salary that he makes now. Uh, he'll probably get my guess is a three or four year deal, either three years, 80 million, four years, 100 million, um, so that he hopefully retires as a member of the Golden State Warriors. Um, now, a player that has become very synonymous with Draymond Green uh, this year is Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole was part of the exit interviews. And Jordan Poole is someone who, um, you know, Kylan and I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time discussing possible trade destinations because if this team is going to make some serious changes this year, uh, this off season for next year, Jordan Poole is in all likelihood going to be one of the players who will be moved in order to, uh, create improvement on this roster, uh, get some more size on this roster. I know, again, I'm recording this on Monday night. It's May 15th. I know Stephen Curry came out. Uh, and had some glowing praise uh, for Jordan Poole, saying he's the key to the future. Um, I look, I love Stephen Curry. He's to me the Joe Montana of various sports in the modern era. I didn't think anyone could reach Joe's level yet. Here is Stephen Curry. He's my favorite basketball player ever. One of the greatest player players ever. Uh, you know, um, and the fact that he still is in the running to get that fifth title is all the evidence I need to show me that this team needs to continue to pursue world championships uh, for Stephen Curry's case. But at the same time, Steph is not the GM. Um, there's a reason why different individuals have different roles. Um, so regardless of the reasoning for Stephen Curry praising Jordan Poole, I don't think that's enough of a reason to keep him. Um, a lot of the, the speculation this year centered around the punch. Uh, Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. And uh, the aftershocks of that incident, the ramifications, um, I personally believe, and I know I'm not the only one, I, I, I believe that the, the worst part about that incident was Draymond having to react to it in a way that isn't himself. He could not be the same brash uh, vocal leader he was prior to that incident because he suddenly had to be very careful. His reputation was, was tattered after that. Um, but a lot of people wondered how that incident affected Jordan Poole long, long term. And again, we'll we'll talk about Jordan Poole a lot in future episodes. Today, I just want to play primarily and focus on uh, what most of the team said in the aftermath of Game 6 and in this weekend's exit interviews at Chase Center. Uh, so Jordan Poole was asked about um, the ramifications of that incident, uh, whether it had any uh, long-term effects. Um, and here is what Jordan Poole had to say about... The, the Draymond Green punch and whether or not it had lasting effects. 
when you look back, how much do you feel like maybe the events in the preseason impacted the whole season? Did, did it feel like it lingered to you? And did it? what was the impact that it had on this year? Um, I mean, I mean, we ready to the second round of the playoffs. You know, we had a, we had a good season and um, guys stepped up. We had a lot of exciting moments. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything that was, um, you know, changing any of that first of all this was not a good season i mean by most team standards yes making it the conference semifinals is something you could write home about because you probably don't get to that level that often uh the golden state warriors of the 2000s of the 90s of the 80s yeah conference semifinals great achievement you consider that season a success when your team is a world championship contender when your team is the reigning defending world champion I wouldn't call that a success. You just heard what Draymond Green said about the season. Almost completely the opposite. Um, now, in regards to the punch, um, I still do believe firmly from what I've heard, and I've said this on the show for months, um, that the ramifications, the the, the aftershock of the incident, um, in a lot of ways was overblown. <clears throat> Although I guess it depends on who you ask. I've interviewed a lot of uh, current and former professional athletes about it. Uh, and their answers differ. One will say, not a big deal. This happens all the time. The next person will say, I've never seen a punch like that. I don't know how you can recover from that. So a lot of it depends on perspective, but in terms of what I've heard in regards to Jordan Poole's feeling, feelings on it himself, it did not have uh, long-term ramifications. He, he said so himself there. Uh, Jordan Poole and Draymond Green have always had lockers right next to each other. Um, they did maintain a relationship after the punch, um, but nonetheless, you know, some people still feel that it did have an effect. And again, my feeling of it, uh, and I'm echoing, I think, uh, I forgot who said this as well. I heard this on a podcast recently. Uh, I apologize for forgetting to properly attribute. Um, but I do agree with the sentiment that if, if this incident hurt, hurt anyone, it was Draymond Green because it suddenly limited his leadership capabilities and he couldn't be the same brash, uh, you know, in your face type leader that he previously was because, he went overboard. There's no way to defend what he did. So, um, but nonetheless, that was Jordan Poole's reaction to it. He said it wasn't a big deal, but he did struggle this season. Uh, he, in a lot of ways, outside of his scoring average, he regressed this season. His numbers drastically went down when it came time to the postseason, also known as the time of the year when he was needed the most. Um, so the team has a lot of decisions to make this offseason. Uh, and I think that the popular opinion is that Jordan Poole um, should be on the trading block. I support that notion. Um, I think his time here has has worn out. And I think given the way the salary cap is structured and how limited the Golden State Warriors are in terms of looking at free agency, for example, to get help, you you can't. You can't. Your, your, your hands are completely tied in terms of signing free agents. Um, so one of the only ways you can upgrade your roster or at least revise it and modify it is to trade Jordan Poole. Um, you'd get some salary cap relief potentially because Jordan Poole is going to make close to $30 million next year. Um, he's It's year one of a five-year guaranteed deal. Um, and I do think a lot of teams out there look at Jordan Poole as the type of player who could use a fresh start. Um, thus, hopefully, his trade value is not diminished uh, after that very uh, poor um, postseason. Uh, that he just had. Uh, so anyway, so that's Jordan Poole. And again, we'll talk a lot more about Poole uh, this offseason. There's just a lot to be said. Um, uh, I want to shift gears now to the young players, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody more specifically. Um, if you watch this show consistently, 
Um, you know my feelings on Kaminga. I, I love the kid. Um, he has the potential to be a superstar. Um, and I I understand his perspective in terms of being frustrated uh, for completely falling out of the rotation for no good reason whatsoever uh, in the playoffs. Um, interestingly enough, though, and this is where his comments in the exit interview were w- worthwhile, um, he backtracked a lot. Uh, on what he initially said during and after uh, the postseason. Um, so let's first hear from Jonathan Kaminga, who was asked about his lack of minutes in the playoffs. Um, and Kaminga answered that question uh, rather eloquently. Here is the young 20-year-old. Dante was talking about uh, just the role changes towards the end of the season. Um and how when every it kind of got harder when everybody came back. You were one of those guys that when Wiggs was was out, you got a lot of minutes. Um, what was that like for you to when you know players come back and you guys are going into a postseason stretch to have those minutes, uh, your minutes change? And what did you learn from that experience? Uh, man, I had to get adapted to it. No, it's it was just my second year in the league and. I feel like the people that came back have established more, especially here. And it's nothing that I really could do to to change that. So I just got to get used to it. And that's it. Do you feel that you got <clears throat> enough kind of runtime to, to grow your game more this season? Oh, and d- definitely. And definitely. How, how did you grow? I mean, just... A lot of people being out, uh, game, uh, chances to go out there and play a lot of minutes and kind of learn the game and being around uh, the team more and just playing more. I feel like that really helped me and knowing what I really need to work on coming back next season. And that's an entirely different uh, uh, verbiage context from what he was saying during the playoffs and immediately after the playoffs, um, when uh, uh, when uh, Sham Sharni and Anthony Slater in another report for The Athletic wrote, quote, the Warriors and Kaminga's representatives are expected to discuss his future this offseason, league sources say. Golden State will need to decide whether Kaminga will receive a full-time role moving forward, and if not, league sources say the number seven pick in the 2021 draft will want to be somewhere he can play more, unquote. Look, the Golden State Warriors bungled this 100%, and I'll tell you why. For starters, when they drafted him as as the number seven pick, they drafted a kid who is not a role player. Jonathan Kaminga will either be someone who has a full-time role in the NBA or who is going to be out of this league at some point in the near and not distant future. Jonathan Kaminga is either going to be a superstar in this game or he's probably not going to make it. And you cannot treat him the way you've been treating him, where you're one minute you're using him consistently, next minute sparsely. Uh, you know, never mind the fact that the, the way Kerr has treated him and Moody this year would kill most people's confidence. I mean, there's no way that's the proper uh, methodology for teaching. Um, but in Kaminga's case, he's, he showed a lot of improvement this year. Um, for example, in the 22 games that Wiggins missed because of injury late in the season, Kaminga averaged 13.4 points. 
He shot 56.3% from the field. He shot 44.4% from three. Those are all exemplary numbers. He also averaged 4.3 rebounds and two assists in just 24.1 minutes played. His, which means if he was playing 36 minutes, which is what a starter plays, he'd be averaging six and a half rebounds per game. All right. That's good. That is good for a perimeter type player like him. Um, he was grossly misused. He fortunately said the right things there. And I'm guessing the reason for that is um, he doesn't want to damage relationships. He's reportedly going to be spending his offseason playing in major markets like New York, L.A. and Miami to showcase his skills. And the bottom line is this. I don't want him to go. I love Kaminga. I think the potential is real. And I think Steve Kerr needs to wake up in the sense that his demands for people and his players more specifically subscribing to the quote unquote culture of the Warriors. That approach has to change because the culture is not Steve Kerr. The culture was Stephen Curry, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson with a fantastic supporting cast around them. Klay Thompson is no longer the player he was. Draymond Green is no longer the player he was. Stephen Curry still is, but that's just one player. It's no longer a threesome who can carry a strong uh, uh, supporting cast to a world championship. Those days are over, all right? And because those days are over, Steve Kerr, if he's going to continue leading this team, has to adapt. It's not the other way around. You cannot have a player like Jonathan Kaminga who has the talent to be a superstar in this game, you can't expect a player like him to adapt to Kerr's rigid minute distribution system. Because again, while that worked when you had three of the, of the greatest players ever in the history of this game, all playing together in their prime, two of those three players have dropped off. And you can no longer count on them. You now need the Jonathan Kamingas of the world. You need them. So... That's how it's good. That's, that's how it is, plain and simple. Um, now, speaking of Steve Kerr, and I do want to sincerely apologize. This show's going to go a little long. Um, we're supposed to go 30 minutes. But the, the Jonathan Kaminga thing is, and the bottom line is, if the Warriors are not going to promise him a full-time role, and a full-time role does not mean a starter, but a full-time role does mean 25-plus minutes a game. And if the Warriors cannot make that kind of commitment to Jonathan Kaminga, then you got to trade him. Okay, you got to get something back for him because right now you wasted your number two pick on James Wiseman, got nothing back for that. Gary Payne II was there as your own free agent and in a salary dump move, you didn't re-sign him and then traded for him later while dumping Wiseman's uh, a salary in the process. Uh, you can't also do that with Kaminga. To strike out on two lottery picks in a row, and the worst part about that is you're striking out on those lottery picks not because they're bad, but because your head coach won't play them. And the reason for the why of your head coach not playing them, it's either his own stubborn insistence on what he thinks the right way to do things is, or your veterans are telling you they don't want veterans to play with them and not young kids, but you can't acquiesce all the time to your veterans. Steve Kerr, you got to be the right leader. Sometimes that means not listening to your veterans, and especially when your veterans are no longer at the peak of their powers. It's one thing if Clay was the Clay of 2016. Same with Draymond. That's not the versions of them you're getting now. They're turning into role players. So, and you need Kaminga. You need Moses Moody. 
They're on your roster. They're under contract. They're talented. It is criminal to not play them. Here is Moses Moody in the exit interviews. This was good as well. This was very worthwhile because Moses Moody has always been candid. I mean, it's this show where we play the soundbite routinely of Moody. I mean, it sucks. That was an answer to being asked about his stay ready approach. Yeah, it sucks. And here's Moody again. Talking about uh, this season. You guys last year, you won a championship last year. And you, when you look at last year's team <clears throat> versus this year's team, obviously different, two different teams. But what do you think were the main differences from your point of view that you saw that were different in terms of attitude and approach and all those things? Uh, last year's team was a lot, was a lot older with uh, uh, Belly and uh, obviously GP coming back, uh, Juan, D. Lee. Uh, Otto, so it's just a lot of guys have been in the league for a while, so they just kind of approach the game with a with a with a different. I mean, they've been here before; they've done it so much, so yeah, you can just kind of feel that. This year, uh, obviously, teams a lot younger, so um, guys and guys coming in trying to figure it out, and uh, a lot of guys had really good years, so um, so that so that was that. But um, yeah, that's just the difference. I feel. Following up on, on Monty's, <clears throat> Monty's question, and I guess Janie's as well, you and Jonathan and just a lot of the other younger guys, even James when he was still with the team, had a lot more responsibility put on you guys. How, how was that as those older guys left, being put in that position, maybe not necessarily knowing when you're going to be called on, but then having to be inserted, trying to learn, trying to, to maintain kind of what you guys were, were doing last year? Mm-hmm. Uh... You know, we we struggled a bit early on in the year. Uh, you know, just losing some games. It was on the road at home. I don't remember it was on the road a lot, but uh, I mean, that's just experiences you can learn from. It's it was the situation it is what it is. So you just got to go in there and figure it out. So uh, I know I, I know I say that a lot, but that's the answer to a lot of questions. Moses, Alex, Simon, Barry, and his group. All right, and we're gonna stop there because he pretty much answered. Uh, you know, the question, he, he, he went into what I was looking for. Um, yeah. And, and Moses needs to be an, an, another individual who gets promoted to a full-time role. He's earned that. It was criminal to me. I, you know, I'm being hyperbolic saying that, but it was just, it, it was nonsensical to, to, you know, to get these, this, the Ty Jerome, Anthony Lamb run this year while Moody just rotted away. They're on the bench playing in Santa Cruz, DNPs just made no sense and that's what we're going to end the show on today is steve kerr um who after game six uh was quoted and you're going to hear it right now as saying um that the team maxed out that this was not in fact a championship team um so here is the head coach of the golden state warriors steve kerr to be uh to be fair i think um this team probably you know ultimately um maxed out um I think, uh, you know, we were barely in the playoff picture for most of the year. So to, to make that push, to get there, uh, to win an epic first round series, and then, you know, to give the Lakers, um, you know, a, a fight in this series and have our chances, um, that puts us in the top, among the top, you know, eight teams in the league. That's, uh, that's probably where, where we should be. Uh, this is not a championship team. 
you know, let's, if we were, we'd be moving on. Um, so you can, you can look at the year in, in, in total and, and see all the ups and downs and there was all kinds of stuff that went on and, and um, adversity that, that hit, but our group stayed together and, and competed till the end and, and made a pretty good run. And the reason why that clip uh, uh, bothers me is because it wasn't that long ago when Steve Kerr was on another show, still saying that the Warriors were championship contenders and going so far as to say that they could win a title without Andrew Wiggins. Here is Steve Kerr back in two months ago, if that, a month ago, saying the Warriors are still championship contenders. It's a real thing. Your basketball team trying to win games, trying to win a championship. Like, can you win a championship without Andrew Wiggins? I think so. I mean, I, I I really believe in this team. I think the fact that we um, we we traded for Gary um, and the way that Jay has stepped up in Wiggs' absence. Uh, you know, if you look at last year's team, um, you know we had. Um, you know, the two on-ball defenders in Wiggs and, and Gary, and, you know, you plug, plug JK into that Wiggs spot now. Um, it's, it's not as seamless uh, as it was a year ago because we had a whole season together and we had all that rhythm and continuity, but um, I do feel good about our, our chances, um, you know, just with the talent that we have and the experience that we have. That was uh, Steve Kerr on Tim Kawakami's show. It was obvious to this humble host who had been saying it all year, this team has problems. But if they had followed Bob Meyer's vision, which was to play Kaminga all year, play Moody all year, who knows what would have happened if Wiseman was at least coached and given some confidence. Maybe he could have given you some help in the postseason. Who knows? My point is, this season was an abject failure when it comes to, to the way Steve Kerr handled it. Um, and now we can't trust them. I mean, that was a month ago, a month and change ago. He was saying this team's a championship contender. Now he's saying it's not a championship contender. He had to he had to see with his own eyes, apparently, the team lose before he finally was convinced of that that sad reality. So that's where we are now. And for the rest of the offseason, we're gonna break it down. We're gonna obviously report on any trades, on any you know, free agent moves. We're going to have cap experts. We're going to have draft experts. We're going to have trade proposals, uh, great interviews, hopefully. Ryan Rollins was supposed to be on the show months ago. Maybe he'll come on the show. Maybe we'll get other players on the show. But we're going to start with Kylan Mills, my partner in all this. Uh, she'll join me uh, tomorrow. Again, follow the program on Twitter at Locked on Dubs. Uh, this is where we announce our start times. We'll go live and we'll answer all your chat questions and comments as well. Um, thanks, as always, for joining the program. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, it, it does mean the world. Um, yeah. And onward, Dub Nation and the Golden State Warriors go. Thanks so much for joining me. And uh, we'll be back at this.